Welcome to T20 Tales. T20 Tales. On our revelation, he's turning out to be an outstanding effort. Based on Tim Wigmore and Freddie Wilde's book, Cricket 2.0, Inside the T20 Revolution, T20 Tales brings alive great stories and events from the dynamic world of 2020 cricket. An Epiphany India production. I'm Ranjit Madgaukar and this is T20 Tales, an Epiphany production. T20 Tales is adapted from Tim Wigmore and Freddie Wilde's award-winning book, Cricket 2.0, Inside the T20 Revolution. They ruled the cricket world for almost two decades in the 70s and 80s. Two successive World Cup victories in the 1970s and 11 test series unbeaten in the 1980s. Clive Lloyd's revamped West Indies side was arguably the greatest cricket team of all time. Like the Brazilians in football, the West Indies cricket team were full of flair and flamboyance. They mixed skill with style and power with personality. And then with many retirements came a gradual decline, which became rapid in the 2000s as the team quickly nosedived from the best to the worst of international cricket teams. The humiliation was felt deeply by West Indian cricket fans who stood helplessly watching their glory years becoming losing years in a matter of a decade. And then came the revival, but not as the West Indies cricket team as such, not as a great test team either. The revival was a brand new incarnation, a new avatar altogether that bypassed both the cricket team and the reputed format of test cricket. The revival of West Indies cricket came with an explosion of superstars in the newest format of the game, 2020. And the stars expressed themselves at first not in the West Indian colours, but in the colours of many franchises across T20 leagues around the globe. If there is one format that the new West Indian stars have found their home in, it is 2020 cricket. All the power, personality, flair and fire come out for the Calypso Kings. It's as though they were just waiting for the right kind of cricket to come around, for them to go back up, being the superstars they once were. Chris Gale, Kyron Pollard, Dwayne Bravo, Sunil Narayan, Andre Russell. This episode of T20 Tales is a celebration of the return of West Indies cricket after many dark years of failure and humiliation. The story begins with a bespectacled gentleman, all of 6 feet 4 inches. His nickname was Supercat. His name, Clive Lloyd. Lloyd captained the West Indian team from 1974 to 1985 and reinvented the team in the winter of 1975 after a disastrous loss of 5-1 to Australia. Before that, Lloyd had already taken the West Indians to victory in the inaugural World Cup in the summer of 1975, with a smashing, almost T20-esque 102 in 85 balls, Lloyd took the West Indies to 291 for 8 against the Australians that had Lilly, Thompson and a left-arm seamer Gary Gilmore. The Australians led by Ian Chappell were knocked out for 274 and Lloyd held cricket's first World Cup high above his head. This was a sign of things to come. But the signs didn't come immediately. 
the winter of 1975 saw the West Indians being decimated by the lethal fast bowling duo of Dennis Lilly and Jeff Thompson in Australia. They lost the series 5-1. Gordon Greenwich called the tour a personal nightmare. And Michael Holding said the team spirit was broken and the team divided. Clive Lloyd was just beginning his second year of captaincy and was under tremendous pressure when the Indians, led by Bishan Singh Bedi, travelled to the Caribbean. It was this tour by India that led to Lloyd's final humiliation. In the third test, India was set a target of 406 massive, which they achieved, centuries being scored by both Sunil Gavaskar and Gundappa Vishwanath and they reached this mammoth target for the loss of just four wickets. The West Indians had gone into the match with three spin bowlers. This would be the last time they would do so under Lloyd. After the match was over, a furious Clive Lloyd lashed out at his spin attack. He said, Gentlemen, I gave you 400 runs to bowl at and you failed to bowl out the opposition. How many runs do I need to give you in the future to make sure you will bowl out the opposition? In the depth of despair, Lloyd remembered the humiliation the Windies had suffered at the hands of Lillian Thompson and decided he would use the same weapon that was targeted at his side on opposition teams. He said goodbye to spin bowling and decided to launch his famous four-man pace attack in the final test against India at Sabina Park, Kingston, Jamaica. This test was possibly the most infamous since Bodyline. Led by Michael Holding and Wayne Daniel, the West Indies pace quartet went round the wicket and targeted the Indians' bodies. In the first innings, the Indians declared after losing just six wickets in order to prevent life-threatening injuries as Holding and Daniel hurled bouncers and beamers at the batsmen. In the second innings, Bedi declared with five wickets in hand for the same reason. It was this bloody battle that gave birth to Lloyd's lethal pace strategy. The West Indians would not be as unabashedly harmful as they were in that test. But after that victory, Lloyd would use the fast and fiery formula till he retired from captaincy in 1985. For the next 20 years, the West Indies were a side of legends. There was absolutely no shortage of replacements, whether it was in the bowling department or batting. Just consider these names. Viv Richards, Alvin Kalicharan, Clive Lloyd, Gordon Greenwich, Desmond Haynes, Richie Richardson, Jimmy Adams, Carl Hooper and the one and only Brian Lara. And that's just the batsmen. As far as bowlers go, there were Andy Roberts, Michael Holding, Colin Croft, Joel Garner, Sylvester Clark, Wayne Daniel, Malcolm Marshall, Courtney Walsh, Ian Bishop and Kirtley Ambrose. This was a side of superstars the like the world had never seen in one team. Comparisons were made with Don Bradman's Invincibles as the greatest test side ever to play the game. More than just superstars, the West Indians were to cricket what the Brazilians were to football. The team had style, charisma, personality, flair, flamboyance, whether it was the 
imperious Viv Richards chewing gum and waiting with head held high for the bowler to run up and bowl to him, or the athletic panther-like run-up of Michael Holding, who was so silent as he reached the crease, his feet just kissing the ground, that he was named Whispering Death. This was a team of artists, showmen and multi-talented cricketers. And then in the late 1990s, for the first time, replacements did not come. Fast bowlers were replaced by medium fast bowlers and the batting, weak, disorganized and indisciplined. The West Indies board ran out of money. The boards of the individual West Indian nations fought among themselves. Local board fought local board and the players fought the board too. It was a mess and a decline so rapid that greatness became mediocrity almost overnight. In 2010, the West Indies were ranked number 8, just above Bangladesh. Six years later, in 2016, they were still at number 8 with not a single batsman or bowler in the top 10. The decline was dramatic. West Indians switched off from cricket and got their fix of sport from basketball, athletics or football. Cricket was a desert full of embarrassments. We were so accustomed to being number one in the world and being the team that everyone wants to beat. To see the decline as a former cricketer is very hard to take. There was always going to be a decline. No team can rule the world forever, said Kirtley Ambrose wistfully around the time of the 2019 World Cup. But slowly, something was changing. This is it, man! This is your chance to get up, stand up and be counted! It's time to take it up a notch! It's time for... Wind Ball! On weekends and weekday evenings in Trinidad and Tobago, games of Wind Ball Cricket are dotted throughout the country. There's music, beer, crowds and noise as cricketers play 10, 12 or 15 over matches with a wind ball, that is, a tennis ball sometimes covered with extra tape. While it is played throughout the Caribbean, Trinidad is the capital of wind ball and it is here in the backyards, beaches and streets of Trinidad that the revival of West Indies cricket took place. Skill, speed, variations and the carnival atmosphere of windball made Trinidad the gold mine of T20 cricket. Suddenly these humble backyard players became global superstars. Windball in the streets of Trinidad suddenly ushered in a Calypso revolution. Get a load of these names. Dwayne Bravo. Kyron Pollard, Sunil Narayan, Lendl Simmons, Nicholas Puran all came out of local windball leagues. And then another revolution helped the final liftoff that made West Indian cricket come back to life. History is really simple, it's complicated. The man who brought this West Indian revolution to life currently serves a 110 year jail sentence. 110 years. For massive financial fraud. His name? Alan Stanford. While Stanford ripped off tens of thousands of people, he did do one good thing. He gave West Indians a chance to take their cricket out of their backyards and into floodlit stadiums. The Stanford Cricket Ground in Antigua, the island home of legends like Viv Richards, Andy Roberts, Gertley Ambrose and Richie Richardson, now became the home of West Indies' first T20 competition. And all the major countries that represent West Indies cricket, 
Jamaica, Guyana, Trinidad and Tobago, Barbados, they all camped in Antigua, playing each other in front of mega crowds, cheerleaders, music and dancing. It is the style of cricket that West Indians play. It's very instinctive, it's very natural, it's got a lot of flair. The West Indian style fits perfectly with the requirements of T20 cricket because it requires you to be fearless as a cricketer. That's what Darren Ganga, the former West Indies cricket captain, said about the T20 revolution in the Caribbean. Soon these cricketers were in demand all over the world. They were power hitters like Chris Gale and Kyron Pollard, mystery spinners like Sunil Narayan, all-in-one all-rounders like Dwayne Bravo and Andre Russell. And they played all around the world. Be it the Bangladesh Premier League, the Pakistan Super League, the T20 Blast in England, the Big Bash in Australia, the T20 League in South Africa or the Indian Premier League, West Indians were everywhere. Chris Gale became the universe boss. Dwayne Bravo made the champion music video. They spotted gold chains, they were stylish and they wanted to show themselves as the global entities they were. In a way, the West Indians mirrored the way the world had changed from the 1980s to today. They were multinational, they were brands and they were bloody good. Consider this, Chris Gale is the only player to score more than 14,000 runs in T20 cricket. After him is another, not another Aussie or English player, it's another West Indian, Kyron Pollard with over 11,000. That's two West Indians on top of the batting charts. And who has the most wickets? Not a surprise. Another West Indian, Dwayne Bravo with over 550 wickets. And again, who follows Bravo? Another West Indian, Sunil Narayan. The return of West Indies cricket began in 2012, in their new avatar. After their double win of the World Cup in 1975 and 1979, the Calypso Kings won their first global cricket title in 33 years, in a format they had come to own. And that's it, the West Indies are back, back to a world title. They have decimated the tournament's host Sri Lanka with a stunning performance. Sunil Narayan knocks out the Sri Lankans for 101 as he ends up with figures of 3 for 9 in 3.4 overs. The West Indies were back in 2012. The islands were celebrating, the viewers had returned, the stadiums were full again. The West Indies were the winners of the T20 World Cup held in Sri Lanka. And then came 2016. Could the West Indies cement their place in the sun by winning two World Cup titles? The way their famous and furious forebears had done in 1975 and 1979. It would all be decided in that stunning ground at the eastern end of India, Eden Gardens in Kolkata, where the West Indians met the English in the final of the 2016 T20 World Cup. The English were led by their current captain Owen Morgan, while the West Indies were captained by the passionate all-rounder and complete team man Darren Sammy. I grew up watching and following the greats like Weave Richards, Clive Lloyd, Michael Holding, Andy Roberts. I saw them play in Eden Gardens when they toured India in 1983. That time they gave us an innings defeat and yet we cheered because we knew this might be the last time we'll see such great players. Holding, Roberts, Weave, Lloyd, Greenwich and the rest in our country. And now 
I am taking my son to watch the finals where another great West Indian side has emerged with people like Gale, Samuels, Russell and Bravo. So I want him to see them, to see how these guys play their cricket, their power and their style. No one can compare with them. That's why for us Kolkatans, our favorite international teams, Brazil in football, West Indies in cricket. And that was the night that cricket lovers across the world saw the West Indies reunite in the kind of passionate play they have always been known for. The kind of flair, fire and style they gave to the cricket world. The English put on a reasonable total of 155 for the Windies to chase. There were two three-wicket hauls, Dwayne Bravo with three for 37. And more importantly, the six feet three inches all-rounder Carlos Brathwaite with three for 23 there would be more in store for Carlos. Gale fell cheaply for just four in the run chase, but his long-time team partner Marlon Samuels was in top form. The match was close, it was neck and neck. At the end of the 17th over, the West Indies were 118 for six, 38 runs to win and only three overs left. The required rate was close to 13. Samuels was playing the lone hand. Of the 118, he had single-handedly scored 76. And the 28-year-old Carlos Brathwaite from Barbados had just joined him and was on one. It seemed that 155 was a winning total for England, as Samuels and Brathwaite managed to get the score to 137 by the end of the 19th over. 19 overs done and 19 runs required of the last over. It looks like it's too much. England have done a thoroughly professional job, an excellent bowling effort. Despite the lone hand played by Samuels, I think the West Indies have been left with a little too much to do in the last over. And then it happened, the way only the West Indians can make it happen. 19 required of the last over, Carlos Brathwaite on strike, his tall, broad, muscular frame facing up to England's number one all-rounder and possibly the number one all-rounder in the world at that time, Ben Stokes. The Eden Gardens crowd was breathless in anticipation. There was drumming, there was music, but there was no fire-cracking roar that only the Eden Gardens crowd can generate. A sound like a hundred aeroplanes taking off over your head. And then Brathwaite, the West Indies and the crowd took off after the first ball. Six! Six! Stokes bowls a half volley on leg stump and it is dispatched into the crowd with deadly force by Brathwaite. Brathwaite began the over with his score on 10 and now a first ball 6. Brathwaite 16, the West Indies 143. Five balls left, Stokes runs in again. And again. 6, 6, 6, would you believe it, another 6. It was morning in the West Indies but crowds across the island countries were partying like it was Saturday night. 6 more, would you believe it, you had better believe it. West Indies are doing a jig in the dugout. Not quite the champion dance, but they're pretty much there. That looked like a miss hit, but it sailed several meters back over long off this time. And then Stokes ran in again. This is madness. This is crazy. This is unbelievable. It is another one. It's a hat trick. Three 
three sixes in a row. Stokes is turning red, and I don't think it's because of the heat. The crowd roared like it was the home side playing. The roar as loud as anyone could have ever heard in Eden Gardens cricket history. If only someone could have measured the volume that night, or the combined volume of the screams across hundreds of thousands of TV sets which were blaring from Guyana and South America to Jamaica near Cuba. And then Ian Bishop roared on the television, Carlos Brathwaite, remember the name. And no one could forget it, as Brathwaite hit his fourth six in a row, leading the West Indians to charge down the pitch. They were not just T20 mercenaries now minting money as parts of franchises across the world. They were once again the West Indies, winners, champions, world beaters. Players who knew how to win in style and there was no greater style than hitting four sixes of four balls and winning the second T20 World Cup trophy for your team. We were back. We were back the time we reached the finals. We were back when Samuels got us going. We were back when Brathwaite smashed those killer sixes. We knew, we all knew, in the families, everybody was electric. Grandfathers who had seen Wesley Hall and Charlie Griffith, fathers who had seen Vivian Lloyd, younger cousins who had seen Lara and Ambrose, and sons who were seeing Samuels and Brathwaite. We were crying that one over overwrote the humiliations and depression we felt as West Indies cricket lovers. We knew then when we saw, we knew when we saw that last six sail into the crowds that the West Indies were back. No victory with a single. It will be victory with maximum, a six into the crowds. That's how the West Indians play. Our numbers are small but our style is big. We knew we were back. And that's how the revival of West Indies took place. On the beaches and backyards of Trinidad's windball leagues to the superstars they sent to franchises across the world. Be it the Mumbai Indians or the Multan Sultans, the Rajshahi Royals or the Melbourne Stars, there are West Indian T20 stars in all the teams. They're still finding their way to the glory years. They will collapse and fail and disappoint. But they will also smash, bulldoze, bamboozle, hit, strike, bounce, spin and celebrate their way to famous victories. The Calypso Kings have returned to the world stage they know how to perform on. 2020 Cricket's international dynasty of cricket stars from the islands that have given us so many are back. And that wraps up this edition of T20 Tales, Calypso Kings, the return of West Indies cricket in a new avatar. If you like our show, please give us a 5-star rating and review and be sure to tell your friends about T20 Tales. Follow T20 Tales on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you're listening to it right now. All the material for this podcast has been adapted from the book Cricket 2.0 written by Tim Wigmore and Freddie Wilde. I am your host and writer Ranjit Madgavkar. Sound designed by Kandar Prelhan at Epiphany India Studios. Prashant Singh is our associate producer. T20 Tales, created by Epiphany India. Catch us next week for another brand new edition of T20 Tales.